The following is a presentation of the Six Arrows Radio Network. Episode 53, Ham Radio 360.com podcast. We're going to learn about DMR. Yeah, digital mobile radio. Everything you need to know is coming up. MTCRadio.com presents Ham Radio 360, the podcast, with your host, Kale Nelson. K4CDN. So it is episode number 53. I'm your host, Kale Nelson, K4CDN. Uh, a big welcome to the very first time listeners of our regular show here. We've had some Hamvention update podcasts that we released during Hamvention. I hope you guys enjoy those. Apparently you did. The numbers were astronomical, so thank you very much. If you just stumbled over us at Hamvention, maybe this is your first time tuning into a regular show. We welcome you in. We do this every other week. It is an amateur radio podcast where we explore the hobby in every direction that we can go. Uh, this time through, we're going to talk about DMR radio. So if you've got questions about DMR radio, more than likely, we're going to have those answered here. Coming up in just a couple of minutes with our, our guest on the show today, his name is Rick Zach, and his call is Kilo One, Romeo Juliet Zed. And we'll get to Rick in a couple of minutes. i got to tell you, mtcradio.com drove all the way from Paris, Texas to Dayton, Ohio, and back to Texas to get ready for their next Amfest. I know Richard's crazy. He's got to be to be traveling all over the country. But when he's there at the Hamfest, he's doing some major business. And the reason being, he's got great deals on his gear. Now, it's not just Hamfest that he's got great deals. You can go to their website, mtcradio.com, and you'll save money. Now, let's say you go somewhere else and you find something for a lesser price. Call Richard first. Let him have the opportunity to earn your business. He's told us here on this show that he will do everything he can to give you the best deal in ham radio. Now, they carry a lot of brands. One of my favorites is the Kenwood brand. I've I've got Kenwood gear all over my shack, handy talkies, mobiles, base stations. It always performs every time I ask it to. And they've got some of the best prices on that gear on the net. So if you need some Kenwood gear, make sure you're checking out mtcradio.com. Now, before we get to our guest, I want to bring Jeremy in for just a second, and let's talk about his experience over the last week or two with DMR Radio. Yes, so uh, we're in full recovery mode now, getting back from the Dayton Hamvention. My flights weren't as great coming home, and and I was really, really tired, but I made it home, and uh, looking back, it seems like that time has just really flown by with us this time right here for just a few minutes. We've got Jeremy Kev7IJZ, one of the co-hosts here of Ham Radio 360 and regular contributor. And uh, Jeremy, uh, we're going to talk about DMR in this program, and you wanted to come on for just a couple of minutes to talk about us talking about DMR because you've kind of jumped right into DMR. Yeah, I have. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I picked up a couple radios at Dayton. I picked up the uh, IC7300. I got my first ever Chinese handy talkie, that uh, that cool tri-band uh, Wushan, Wushan, Ocean, Wuxan, pick one. Yeah. That's not it's the other not bao thing Chinese manufacturer. <laughs> the the original Chinese HT. There you go. Um and I picked up a a really inexpensive uh DMR radio, the Titera uh MD380. These things man, they were just so cheap at Dayton. They and they were selling like hotcakes. I got all of my stuff from MTC Radio, of course, and uh you know, a few things that were surprising. First of all, 
you guys know I'm a D Star guy. I like D Star. I've run D Star hotspots. I did a show on D Star. You remember that, Kale? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I knew DMR was out there. I was interested when I first became aware of it several years ago. The only radios were you know five six hundred dollar Motorola's, and I wasn't interested at that price. Um, I, I wasn't really aware of the, the coverage we had in the area, but as it turns out, we've got a uh, the, actually the same club that. Uh, runs our local big power D star stack or, or high altitude D star stack has a DMR repeater as well. Mm-hmm. In between talking to Bruce and Goose uh, of DV Mega and finding out that all these technologies three years ago that were just doing D star now doing DMR, uh, you know, Bruce really kind of talked me into taking the plunge. And it's funny because of all the radio I brought home, it's the one I've played with the most over the last you know week. <laughs> It, it it is kind of funny because it was like a last minute impulse buy. I was there. It, it, he did not intend to buy this radio when he found out no, how inexpensive was, he, he ran. I, I did, and I was mad about it too because I was exhausted from you know trekking all over Dayton. That was kind of late on day two, and I'm like, man, I don't need another radio. And I I trudged back out to the flea market over uh, to to Richard, and uh, Christy was sitting there at the uh, at the at the booth um, selling like all the Chinese radios. And there was a line like six people deep. And I'd been out there earlier in the day and these Titeras, they had like 30 or 40 of them sitting on the, on the, on the table. And when I got up there, there were like five left and some were VHF models and some were UHF models. So, you know, I know we're going to deep dive into DMR and we've got a really good guest tonight on that. Um, But I just want to say, the radio is really nice for what it is. It's uh, I got the UHF version. One of the things that's most different about it that I'm not used to with any of my other gear is that it's a channelized radio. It's that I remember I was in the hotel room and I was spinning the top big knob and I was <laughs> shocked when it stopped. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not used yeah. to that. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, you got a great deal on yours and they were very inexpensive at the show. Uh, but uh, we've got a pretty amazing deal, a limited time offer from our friends at Maine Trading Company. Uh, Richard and Christine have decided to discount the TYT 380s. Uh, that's a Titera Mary Delta 380. You put it in your cart on the mtc.com radio website. And you enter a special code, and that will discount it an additional ten dollars before you pay. So uh, right now they're one twenty nine with this coupon code. It'll get it down to one nineteen, and the code you need to enter is HR three six zero lowercase H Henry, lowercase R Romeo three six zero HR three six zero. We'll get you a $10 discount at mtcradio.com. And Jeremy can tell you it's a great $100 spent. It it really is, especially if you have a DMR repeater nearby. Um, you know, and oh man, it's just so, it's kind of hard to compare to D Star because it's, it's a lot different. But um, the software was free. The, the radio comes in a very nice box. You get the radio body, you get two antennas, kind of a, a larger 440 antenna, and then a little stubby 440 antenna. Um, you get a belt clip, which is actually the only, uh, it's not a very good belt clip. I'm just going to say that, but you know, it's, it's, it's a little over a hundred dollars. You can't argue. Um, you get the charger, you get the battery and you get the programming cable. And then one of the things that I learned the hard way, the programming cable looks exactly the same as all the other Chinese Kenwood style programming cables, but the Titera cable will not work, uh, for other radios. So that was a lesson learned. Okay. okay. Um, the software for the radio that's available online 
is incredible. It's it's really polished. Uh, it's actually kind of similar to what I've seen from the Motorola software. Um, really easy to use. I you know I didn't find a code plug, which is basically a configuration file for my area. So now I've I've created one for the two DMR repeaters here. Um, and once I was able to get on my local DMR repeater and start talking to guys, first of all, there were like tons of people who were on DMR for the first time this weekend because everybody <laughs> bought that tight. I'm not kidding. I mean, I like, I think there were only two people on DMR before and now there's like a hundred and all wow. of them are on the Titera. Wow. And that all came because you're like an hour and a half away from Dayton. So they were all there. They all took them back home. They did. And that really has, I'm seriously like, uh, on, on, the local uh, talk group and then the Ohio talk group. That's, that's been the biggest topic of conversation this week. Um, but it's been incredible. There's can a, can there's I a quote l- you for just a second? Oh, guys, he I, well, told me, well, what did he, I say? He told me just the other day that this is the most fun he's had on ham radio in years. Yeah, I, I did say that. He and did say it. granted, you know, most of my ham radio time these days is ham radio 360. <laughs> uh, so I, I haven't been on HF in a I while. I resemble that remark. <laughs> Uh, but I, uh, I, I don't know. It's, it really has been cool to find something new and exciting to play with again. And the quality for the money is just ridiculous. Yeah. And we're going to talk about uh, DMR really deep in this show. Uh, Rick Zach will be up in just a few minutes. Just call us K one RJZ and, uh, he's all into DMR. Well, actually most technologies, but he's, we're going to talk about DMR with him. Jeremy, uh, I'm I'm really tempted to buy one, and I've got to connect systems. I don't need another handy talkie. You, you don't need it. But I'll tell you what: if you do want to get a DMR, now is the time. Again, Richard has discounted. He's given us a coupon code, and this code is only valid through the 4th of June, okay? On the 5th of June, the code will not work. So when you get this show, you download it, you're listening, you need to go ahead. If you're going to move on this, move on it quick. I don't know how many he has in stock. He's got UHF and VHF, and he will discount on $10 with the code HR360, and that's at mtcradio.com. Jeremy, you did a great job. I've listened to our our shows from Dayton a couple of times, just trying to take it all in. Someone referred to it today online as drinking from a fire hose. That's what we intended to do. Again, thank you for your for your work up there at uh, Dayton Forest. I, I, you know, well, as always, it's my pleasure. I want to thank George, who's not with us right now, but he uh, he was a huge help and contributor this year. Yes. Uh, you know, helping take some of the burden of those interviews. Um, it was kind of cool because we got our process a little bit more polished. Having a booth this year was huge for us because mm-hmm. it gave us early access to some vendors and get some interviews we might not have otherwise gotten. Plus, uh, we made some really good contacts this year. And I, I mean, I, I cannot thank the listeners again enough for helping get you to Dayton or really yeah. getting you to Dayton because yeah. our our cachet, our awareness, whatever you want to call it, has grown so much because of our presence at Dayton. And, you know, we've already started planning Dayton for next year. <laughs> Get ready, y'all. <laughs> we're bringing the grin and swagger back to Dayton, Ohio, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, we're going to do our best to get there. And um, I'm already making plans here at the house as well. So, uh, Jeremy, thanks again for dropping in and letting us know about this DM. I'm sorry, I'm dyslexia. Did you catch it there? The Titera Mary Delta MD380. On sale, mtcradio.com. Use the coupon code HR360. Save 10 bucks until June the 4th. I'll put this in the show notes. And uh, Jeremy's probably going to have some comments to throw in the show notes as well with just some operating things that he's gotten. Bro, thanks for coming by. It's, uh, it's always good to catch up with you. 
yeah, it was uh, it was awesome again to uh, to get to meet you and hang out with you. Oh yeah. Um, thanks, listeners, and uh, actually, thanks for DMR because DMR is pretty awesome. Um, you know, I uh, I monitor the North American Talk Group and uh, Worldwide English, and then of course local Ohio and Midwest. So I don't know. Throw your call out. Maybe I'll hear it and uh, come back to you. But uh, seventy three, Kale. Yeah, that's KF seven IJZ. Jeremy KF seven IJZ. Give him a call on the DMR machine. You may catch up with him. He's on it all the time. I've got to get mine going so we can talk. We'll save us some bandwidth there. We'll catch you next time, Jeremy. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. Hi, Dan KB six NU here. Whether you're studying for your tech license or looking to upgrade to general or extra, you should check out my no-nonsense amateur radio license study guides. Written in my easy-to-understand, no-nonsense style, they really are the easiest way to learn what you need to know to pass the test. And they are always up to date. The PDF version of the Technician Class Study Guide is free on my website at kb6nu.com podcast. And all my study guides are available in print, PDF, Kindle, and EPUB versions. Let me help you have more fun with ham radio. Go to kb6nu.com slash podcast and get started today. Rick is with us today. Rick's call is Kilo One Romeo Juliet Z. Rick, welcome in to Ham Radio 360. Hi, Kale. How are you? I'm also a listener. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I enjoy getting to meet you at Hamvention, and uh, thank you for taking the time there to, to uh, whet my appetite about DMR and answer some questions for me. Oh, my pleasure. Well, that's why we're here today, folks. We're going to talk about DMR and learn about DMR because Kale's had a DMR rig for about six months. He's made zero contacts, which doesn't make any sense. And when I walked by the DMR MARC bar booth, rather, at Hamvention, I knew that I could have some questions answered there. And after the conversation with Rick, I decided this gentleman needs to be on the show because he's got some things that I know some of our listeners have questions about. So uh, first off, Rick, tell us a little bit about your your amateur radio past and how you got into the hobby? Uh, I had no choice to get into the hobby because my father was a ham, uh, W1JWZ, his, that's his vanity call now. Nice. He was licensed since uh, 47. And when I was a kid, I used to see him in the late 50s with his big six-foot rack AM transmitter that he built from scratch, talking on 10 meters, and I was kind of hooked. And I finally got my license through uh, Explorer Scouts, actually. And now my son is a ham. Uh, K1DRZ, and my first transmitter was a ARC-5. That was the transmitter typically used in a uh, B-17 bomber, and that was my CW transmitter. Wow. Kind of goes back a few years. It does, and then into FM, and my main radio, HF radio, is a Flex Radio 6300 SDR, and uh, I've tried D-Star, P-25, DMR, you name it. Fantastic. And what we're going to talk about this time through is DMR, and and why and how you know, the, the technology is just phenomenal. And we've recently, I guess in the last six months, we've recorded a show all about D-Star, which was a big hit. But uh, I'd like to learn more about DMR. And uh, really, to start with, what is DMR? What does the DMR stand for? Sure. Uh, DMR stands for Digital Mobile Radio. 
It's a worldwide open standard that was ratified, I think, in 2005 by ETSI, which is the European Standards Agency, a little like our FCC, but it involves really all of Europe. Uh, it's non-proprietary with over a dozen manufacturers, and by looking at data or looking at the Dayton exhibitors, there's more coming into it, uh, making compatible radios. But they're not doing this for hams. They're doing it because the commercial industry is exploding uh, for DMR business band radios, their narrow band. And hams are just tagging along, and then the manufacturers uh, are just realizing, hey, there's a big ham market here. So the commercial adoption is driving down the prices of uh, DMR radios. And if you want to learn more about DMR, go to Wikipedia and, and uh, look up digital mobile radio, and there's a pretty good example on it. Let me ask you, so it, it came from Europe because we're used to things coming from Japan. Did this start in the <laughs> European market? Uh, yeah, I, the, okay, get this. The standard came out of Europe, but now the radios are coming out of China. So how's that for international? Um, it's a worldwide yeah, hobby. Uh, yeah, it is. And again, its origins are commercial, and that's what's driving the prices down. Um, the uh, manufacturers are uh, Motorola, of course. They're you know usually on the cutting edge of this stuff. Uh, Tate, uh, CSI, which uh, used to make the ham repeater controllers, and now they're a major supplier of... Uh, low-cost DMR radios that are commercial and ham. In fact, I, I used to work for a TV news department, and we put uh, the CSI radios in the hands of the people in the newsroom and the technicians because breaking news happened. We had to get people around the building. So those have been in use for a couple of years. Have wait, we have to wait for the first one to break, so they're really wow. good. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, there's uh, Titera and Hightera from China. Uh, I could go on and on. Uh, I think Alinco came announced their DMR radio. I don't know if that's ham only or ham and commercial, but it's growing. Well, that's interesting, and and you're exactly right. I mean, we were at Hamvention just a few weeks ago and noticed that uh, there were a lot of people in the DMR, a lot of people at the CSI booth, a lot of people buying the Titera one hundred nine dollar radios uh, that were DMR. Um, my my question would be: Can you use DMR locally on your local repeater? Uh, only if that repeater is DMR capable. Now, uh, so the quick, well, put it this way. If you buy a DMR radio, all DMR radios do FM analog. So that, that, that quick answer is yes. If you want to use it in digital mode, that has to be a, a digital DMR repeater. Now, some of the, I'd say most of the repeaters, not all, but many most are dual mode capable of doing both FM and DMR. The problem is, is if you if you put it in dual mode, you lose most of your networking uh, capabilities. And wide area linking of DMR repeaters are the essence of what DMR is all about. Without the linking, it's just another digital mode. Okay. Okay. Um, now, when I look around and, and shop, for lack of a better term, uh, I'm looking at DMR radios. I see a lot of them in UHF. Is that just where I'm shopping or is that kind of the kind of where things are? What's the more prevalent band, UHF or VHF? Well, the answer is yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. It's, it's, it's mostly UHF. However, in certain areas like Boston, the Cape Cod area, Sacramento, California, the Air Force set up some early warning radar systems called PAVEPAWS, and they share the HAM 440 band. Mm. And uh, within the past uh, maybe four years, uh, the FCC, in conjunction with the Air Force, have throttled down the UHF repeaters, pretty much all of them in Boston, to such a low level, they were essentially shut down. Uh, and that forced DMR to go to the VHF band. So it, it depends where you are. And, and 
it has not been a problem because many of the analog repeaters, let's be honest, a lot of them just plain aren't being used. Right. So they, they converted some of the FM repeater frequencies to uh, DMR. So in Boston, Cape Cod, it's pretty much all VHF. Uh, Rhode Island is VHF, pretty much the same thing because it's close to Cape Cod where the radar is. Uh, New Hampshire is an extension of Boston, especially southern New Hampshire. So that's mostly VHF, not because of pave pause, just because Boston went that way. And likewise, Maine, they said, well, geez, you know, Maine or uh, Massachusetts and New Hampshire went VHF, so Maine followed VHF. And they have the frequencies up there. Vermont, on the other hand, is so far away from pave pause, uh, it's mostly UHF. Connecticut is mostly UHF. And the vast majority of the rest of the country is UHF, with the exceptions Sacramento, Boston, et cetera. Okay. Now, I noticed that uh, the majority of the DMR rigs are single band only. Is that because they'll do DMR and FM, so there's no more room in the guts to have that other band to do the other two modes? No, that's a good question. Um, the reason they're single band is, keep in mind, these are primarily designed to be commercial radios, and uh, commercial users don't need dual band. Exactly. That being said, uh, I think CSI is coming out with a dual band. Um, uh, Wireless Holdings is coming out with a, tri- a tri-band that does DMR. Wow. Uh, so as they get more and more attuned to the needs of a ham, the ham market, we'll, we'll be seeing more uh, dual band radios. But right now, because the, you know, let's face it, you can get a Titera radio Dayton for 109 bucks. <laughs> that inc- I, I couldn't believe it. And they're good radios. Yeah. Um, but the it was 109 bucks color display, which most of the ham stuff doesn't have, don't have in a portable. Very, <coughs> excuse me, very rugged, very high quality, and it even includes the free programming software. So I should I should have bought one of those, and I've got a CS750 that I've loaned to a buddy of mine, and and our co-host here, Jeremy, did actually buy one of those, and he he's all excited. He's having a blast already. Just a couple of you know a couple of weeks in from Dayton, having or a couple of days rather, just having a blast with DMR, and of course I mine's at someone else's house, and I haven't got it back. <laughs> mine yeah, hasn't worked right anyway. So. It, if you never get on DMR, buy one of the Titera or CSI radios and only use it in FM. It's far superior quality than most of the ham portables out there because, again, they're designed for commercial service. And now if the price is down to 109 I think I had an ICOM, was it IC71? I forgot what two-meter portable it was. Well, for the same money, uh, you can get the Titera, which does digital and analog. And you can you can hack that Titera, but we may talk about that later. Um, okay. I know that, uh, say, our friend George in the, the Bay Area – out there has uh, they've got repeaters everywhere and two meters is non-existent availability 440s pretty much gone away 220s getting full as we speak so where are these repeater frequencies coming from for these um, for these DMR repeaters sure um, in many cases uh, it's a very simple answer this as I mentioned before a lot of the FM repeaters just have minimal activity. So in those cases, they're just conversions from FM to DMR straight over. Okay. Uh, in other cases, and this happened a lot in the Boston area, uh, I was involved in putting a DMR repeater up, or uh, sorry, a, uh, a D-Star repeater up on the Prudential Tower because my employer had access to it. And uh, at the same time, put another DMR repeater on something called Mount Akanunik in southern New Hampshire, a really dominant site. And in both cases, the projects failed. Uh, because the uh, the ICOM radios are really just two mobiles in a box and they couldn't tolerate the intermod. So what many hams are doing are taking something like a GE Master 2 or some other radio and putting the ICOM 
encoders and whatnot on the GERF sections, and that's working really well, but they've had to jump through some hoops. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the case of the Prudential Tower, they left the transmitter up there, but the receiver is a remote receiver a couple towns away, away from all the RF. But in the frustrations of going through those hoops, some people said, the heck with it, I'm just going to convert my repeater to DMR, and kind of that's the way it ended up. Now, Around here in South Carolina, the upstate of South Carolina, the entire state of South Carolina, we have a project called SC Heart, and it's a it's a linked repeater system. It has been for years now, and we've used UHF and VHF linked repeaters. They're now going to a uh, a linked, I guess you could say linked, if you will. It's a DMR system as well as the UHF and VHF. Is that something that just happens here in South Carolina, or are, are there geographic pockets throughout the states, like you've mentioned, I guess, before up in the Northeast? Uh, with DMR repeaters. Um, are you asking about the networks uh, developing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's actually very common. That happens in most cases. Um, in the Boston area, or the New England area, we have three major DMR networks, but they're all interconnected. Uh, but they can all service their own clientele. The repeater owner, which can be an individual or a club, still maintains total control of what that repeater can and can't do. But we'll get into it probably a little later about how these repeaters are linked. So I would say the, the, the dominant mode of DMR is connecting into these regional networks and then regional networks hand off to a worldwide network or, you know, whatever. Okay. Uh, it's pretty unusual. If it's very unusual to have a DMR repeater standalone and uh, not part of a, a larger network. Okay. Folks, his name is Rick Zach. His call is Kilo One Romeo Juliet Z, and he's informing us, he's teaching us about DMR. We're going to be back with him here in just a sec. Stay tuned. We're going to learn how DMR works coming up. Yeah, so while we were at Dayton, we also got to spend some time with our friends from Bridgecom Systems. Really cool guys. Ron and Tim were a lot of fun to hang out with. And it was cool to see their their booth so busy. They were selling handhelds. They were selling mobile radios. And they were selling repeaters. Yes, they were selling repeaters at Hamvention. And if you're in the 220 radio, you need to know about BridgecomSystems.com. Now, they only, not only carry the full line of 220 megahertz gear they're working on a 440 mobile they're working on a two meter mobile and they also carry your land mobile radio needs so if you have any radio needs repeater wise whatever make sure you're checking out bridgecomsystems.com back with rick zach is called kilo one romeo juliet Z. rick thank you again for coming on to the ham radio 360 podcast I'm enjoying this. Thank you. Fantastic. Now, during the break, you mentioned that uh, it doesn't just have to be about one or the other. Go ahead and uh, refresh our listeners there, that, that point that we missed earlier. Uh, about different uh, types of digital technologies? No. Oh, or, or UHF. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, sure. Uh, with DMR, uh, it's your local repeater is merely a portal into this large network. Okay. So whether your local repeater is VHF or UHF, it really makes no difference whatsoever. Uh, it's just you know whatever frequency was available. Once you're into the network, you can come out on VHF in Germany or UHF in South America or UHF in Peoria. It, it's totally transparent. Wow. Well, and and that leads us directly to our first our first question here is so you're telling me I'm in South Carolina. I can get on link get in the link system and I can wind up on another continent. Just how does DMR work? Okay, uh, DMR uh, is, uh, uses a technology called uh, TDMA, uh, AT&T Cellular uses that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, in, 
in, in fact, the most important thing is how does it work isn't as important as what it delivers to you. Okay. But we're going to go into it. Uh, TDMA stands for Time Division Multiple Access. Uh, we'll get into what that means in a minute. First, your voice is converted from an analog to digital data, and it, that happens whether you're System Fusion or D-Star or P25, you know, mm-hmm. all of them do that. What's different is that in the DMR standard, your voice is cut up into 30 millisecond chunks of data. And your voice actually flip-flops with another user who can use the same repeater at the same time in a second conversation. This means... Excuse me. This means that two separate conversations are sent out of one repeater at the same time using two different time slots, flip-flopping back and forth, and your radio kind of glues the time slots back together. And you're flip-flopping at 30 millisecond data burst intervals on one narrowband RF channel. And if you really wanted to push it, because this is narrowband, you can put two D-Star repeaters in the same, or uh, two DMR repeaters, too many technologies here. (laughs) (laughs) You can put two DMR repeaters in the same spectrum as one FM analog channel, which means you can have four conversations. And we're not to that point yet, don't need it, but, you know, it can be done. And then on the receive side, the same process happens, but in reverse. Uh, your radio, you know, your channel selector is designed to, you know, listen to this time slot or that time slot. You don't really care what time slot you are. It just says, hey, this is, uh, you know, Georgia statewide, and boom, mm-hmm. away you go. And usually time slot one is reserved for DX contacts or out-of-area conversations, and usually time slot two is reserved for local, statewide, or regional conversations. Okay. And, and then with each time slot, you have different talk groups, might might be confusing, but it really isn't. Uh, on the talk groups on time slot one, you can have worldwide, you can have North America, uh, you know, the wide area DX stuff. And then time slot two, you can have uh, Georgia, uh, the PRN network that you guys might have down there. Uh, it's sliced into different talk groups so you can find the exact uh, group you want to communicate with on that time slot. Okay. Okay. So my friend Jeremy, who just bought a Titera at Hamvention, he could determine which talk group he wanted to approach. And I could take my radio and find that same talk group and we could communicate to one another over the DMR network. Correct. We were walking in the flea market in Dayton. Uh, Bill, anyone be, was had his little Motorola radio, and he got on North America, and he was talking to Dave KM3T in New Hampshire, and you know we were just commenting on the flea market, and we, it was like we were next door. Uh, but on DMR, that's not a big deal. That's kind of the essence to be able to do that. Okay. Now let me ask you because this this isn't really in the train of thought here, but I got to stop you for a sec. How many repeaters are tied up when we're having that conversation? That's a good question. Um, it depends. Another one, it depends. Okay. Uh, if you're on, say you're on the worldwide one and uh-huh. you're on the Saturday morning net, um, all the repeaters key up automatically. But in the worldwide, for instance, if you want to use worldwide so you don't kill the repeater, you just do a push to talk on the worldwide talk group and your repeater comes alive for like five or for uh, five minutes, I think. Okay. So it's it's doing nothing until someone wants to use it. Uh, if you're on, say, the Georgia Talk Group, if that's what you want to be on, that's on time slot. Uh, yeah, it's usually time slot two. That's available all the time because it's just simply less people using it. Yeah. Now, say that you want to talk to somebody in, you know, walking in the flea market in Dayton, and you don't want to key up 300 repeaters, which is crazy. Um, 
what you do is you go to something called a, a tactical channel. They have TAC 310, TAC 311. There's a bunch of names. Mm-hmm. And you'll only key up two repeaters. So the guy in New Hampshire keys up on TAC 310 and his repeater becomes alive on that talk group. The guy in Dayton kicks up uh, TAC 310 on the Dayton repeater. And these two repeaters, and only these two repeaters are linked as long as nobody else is using TAC 310. And you're now tying up two repeaters instead of 300. Wow. Now, let me ask you a question. I hear a lot, of, and, and I took zero radios with me when I was at Dayton, but I hear that it's a, a terrible RF environment. How does DMR work in that sort of environment? That's really a function of the radios and not the modulation. But okay. we had we had zero problems because, again, remember, these are all commercial radios that are being adapted for uh, for uh, ham use. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of the well-known Chinese $50 ham-only radios have really poor selectivity and pretty dirty transmitters. Right. That, that's not what we're dealing with. We're dealing with commercial radios that have to be type accepted. And guess what, guys? We're putting them on ham frequencies. So uh, RFI, I... I didn't have any problems. I don't know if anybody else had any problems. Okay. But that's a function of the radio, not the modulation. That could probably be a whole other show unto itself. Let's talk about commercial gear for ham use. Yeah, it could be. That'd be a great show. All right, so we've uh, we've covered D-Star. I've mentioned that in the past. Um, I, had a, I had someone ask, is DMR just D-Star with a different name? No, they are totally different technologies. Um if you want, I can go into the big four or five. Yeah, just yeah, to go right ahead. How they're different? Okay, the first one out was uh, P twenty five, which you probably hear on your scanners in your local communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, that came out in the nineties, really, way before nine eleven. Um, and due to no fault of its own, uh, there is a thing inside called a vocoder, which converts your voice from analog to digital, and it has the most. It has the first generation vocoder, which the audio performance has certainly improved, but it's. Pretty well universally agreed, it ain't the best quality. Mm-hmm. It's 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 good enough. It was you know for fifteen year old technology, it's not bad. Yeah. Um, and interconnecting P twenty five radios uh, repeaters is very difficult, very expensive. The next thing to hit the streets was D Star. Uh, brought a lot of ham only benefits to it. Uh, that uses a slightly better vocoder. Uh, more closer to the P25 than the other versions, but you know definitely better quality. You get the R2, you get the R2D2 effect because the forward error correction isn't isn't quite as good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and D-Star has the advantage of having a huge uh, head start. D-Star has been out for at least ten years now, um, so that's that's another advantage to D-Star, uh, and it's available in all hand bands. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the uh, another technology that came out was, of course, Yezu Fusion, another proprietary ham technology. Uh, so far, I think the only vendor that does Fusion is is Yezu. Uh, they have some very distinct advantages in that you can go to wideband data mode and actually send pictures hmm. uh, to your through your repeater. So if you're doing some emergency communications work, uh, the the and you see a funnel cloud, you take a picture and send it right to the weather bureau. That's pretty so nice. That's, that's pretty cool. Um, the the disadvantage to the uh, system fusion is it's it's really new and it's it, you know Yeze is doing a great job giving well not giving away heavily subsidized repeaters to mm-hmm. radio clubs, but it's kind of a chicken and egg. 
And every radio club, at least that I know in New England, is running them in analog mode, which okay. is not what Jay's intended. <laughs> but, you know, uh, it's chicken and egg. How do you get them going? Right, right. And they just just announced a release of a brand new, I think it's a, a two model of that repeater that's supposed to be updated in, in a little little heavier duty. So I'm not exactly sure because I'm not a fusion guy, but... Uh, that should be interesting as well. So we've we've talked about uh, P25, uh, we've talked about D-Star, we've talked about Fusion, so that only leaves DMR. Uh, note there's one no, more. And, there's by, more? And, by, and you're right that the Yezu does have a new generation repeater coming out, and that will support separate talk groups. They call them rooms. Okay. Uh, so as they mature, they're getting more and more capabilities. The problem uh-huh. is it's you know how to get the traction. So. Right. And good luck to them. I'm, I'm dying to try a Fusion radio, uh, but it's kind of hard to find somebody to talk to, at least where we are. <laughs> Um, another one is called NXDN or IDAS, um, which is the standard of the railroad industry. Ah. And, and Kenwood and ICOM make radios for that in the commercial arena. And they have some unique advantages to it. But, and it, it's a little more like DMR. But the problem is there's only really a few pockets. Some of the people in southeastern Massachusetts that happen to work in the railroad industry put a bunch of um, uh, IDAS or NXDN repeaters on the air. So in south eastern Massachusetts, south of Boston, west of Cape Cod, uh, NXDN is quite popular, but I'm not aware of any others that are um, around the country. Okay, okay. So there's, there's, a, there's a big pot to choose from, and we're talking DMR here. Uh, wh- when I was by your booth, and, and when I first got into, when I first got into, when I first got my DMR radio, I was instructed to go to a website, DMR-MARC, uh, to register for a number, and let's talk a little bit about what DMR-MARC actually is. And if I'm not saying it the right way, please correct me. Is it DMR Mark? Uh, yep. Okay, that's how my brother spells his name, so that makes it easy. So uh, <laughs> tell us a little about what is DMR Mark. Uh, okay, it's, there's really three very separate and distinct answers, and you really have to keep them separate. Okay. One of them was DMR Mark was the Motorola Amateur Radio Club, and uh, they were specializing in the DMR part of the technologies uh, that started in Chicago, of course, because that's where you know Motorola is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that DMR Mark came out in 2011. I know they started linking repeaters in 2009, but they a little more formalized their registry and whatnot in 2011. Um, and originally it started that it was kind of a Motorola employees club. It's grown far, far beyond that. So I wouldn't say that the Motorola name in there is irrelevant, but um, I would say most of the people who are members don't work for Motorola. So that's changed big. Okay. Okay. Uh, changed a lot. Uh, the second function, and this is a lot more contemporary, the DMR standard does require a unique ID, a little bit like D-Star does, but you get your call, so that's different. Mm-hmm. Um, and the original startup group suddenly realized that you know chaos would reign unless they had some kind of organization and discipline as to how these numbers are issued. So they became the by default they can't because they were the first. They became the exclusive worldwide registration agency for hams, no matter where you are, to get your DMR ID number. And they don't care what brand or where you're from or any of that stuff. They just look up the call letter or verify it somehow that you're a legit ham and you get your number. There's no cost for it. Right. Um, 
And you usually get your ID online within 24 to 48 hours. We had internet connectivity problems at the Dayton booth, so we sporadically could apply for the numbers, which was unfortunate. We wanted to do it full-time. The service is free, but, you know, there's server costs and data center costs and all the rest of that stuff. So if if somebody can contribute something to PayPal, great. But, you know, it's 100% volunteer. Um, now, are, there, are there people sitting around getting these email requests for numbers and, and doing it at home, or is there a call center in India? How does this work? <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's volunteer. They've, they've heavily automated it. So what's happening right now, um, it goes into a conditional approval process almost immediately once your call is proven. And, uh, you know, some people try to get dummy IDs, Huey, Dewey, and Louie, and so what we had to do, what they had to do, was to have a human just screen them to say, yep, 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 this, this looks legit. And they have you write a paragraph about your ham experience. Okay. Um, and so they go, it goes through a final checkout process. So the holdup is just getting someone to go through these thousands of applications to say, yeah, this looks legit. Okay. Fantastic. And there's a third point. Yes. The third is that uh, because, again, because DMR Mark was the first one out there, uh, they created a network infrastructure of how these repeaters are linked. And you can have, the say, the PRN network in North, North and South Carolina, which is really a highly local group, but maybe they want to participate in the worldwide net that comes on Saturday. So they can join the DMR Mark network, and every Saturday you have hundreds of check-ins from all over the globe. It's pretty cool to listen to. And then they would use their, their local talk groups not using the DMR Mark network for you know, whatever they want. So a company called uh, Rayfield Communications made uh, a box called a C-Bridge. And these C-Bridges, are, uh, they manage the traffic on a regional basis. So in Maine, they have the, the Maine State Seabridge for all the you know, cities up in Maine. That's a pretty rural area, but mm-hmm. DMR has really caught on. In fact, it's caught on because it is a rural area. There's not many hams to talk to, so this expands your, your, your range. Okay. Um, and then if, it's, if they want to talk New England-wide, they bridge to the uh, NEDECN, New England uh, Digital Communications Emergency Network. And they'll handle all the New England-wide traffic or statewide traffic or whatever. And then if they want to talk worldwide, the, their C-Bridge will talk to the, the master, and that will get them over to the worldwide net. So they're all interconnected in a very structured way. Without the structuring, the, the system would fall apart. You know, I've, I've got to stop you there. And, and just because you touched on something there with, with talking about that one network, it would seem to me that this is the amateur radio community's answer to emergency communications being with interoperability yes as long as the internet works but i understand in colorado they're using um ip microwave uh, units by uh ubiquity or Uh ubiquity ubiquity so it all stays you know off the internet uh i'm involved in building a repeater in something called coas county new hampshire uh which is um an extremely rural area, so rural there's no cellular coverage up there. Wow! Uh, but I do go snowmobiling, and and it's quite often you find somebody injured, somebody broke down. There's no way to call for help. Mm. So uh, we've those of us in central and southern New Hampshire have been pooling resources to buy a DMI repeater that will be on Ben Young Hill in a town called Clarksville, and that'll cover 
Um, for instance, on Ben Young Hill in New Hampshire, the Vermont State Police has their transmitters there because it covers better into Vermont than Vermont Hills do. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, whatever, it works. So we're going to put uh, a DMI repeater on Ben Young Hill, and that'll cover into Vermont, all of southern New Hampshire, up to and past the Canadian border. And once that little missing area is finally established, you can you can drive from... Montreal, down through New Hampshire, Massachusetts, and into Rhode Island. So you can have pretty much contiguous coverage from uh, the Long Island Sound Atlantic Ocean all the way up to the Canadian, or past the Canadian border, hmm. and uh, not be out of DMR range. So if there's one weakness, which the, the folks in Colorado have addressed, it is the fact that this is an internet-based connectivity platform. That is correct. Okay. Um, and that is one thing that hams are working on is to get that off of the internet where possible and use something like uh, Ubiquity Microwave and mm-hmm. have their own system. I got you. Now, the registration number, we talked, we hinted on that just a sec, but it's, it's very important because you cannot legally access, I guess is the right way to say it, the DMR network without that address in your programmed in your radio. Correct. Okay. Uh, I see a lot of uh, mentions on where they have these. They don't call them fixes. I can't remember the term they use right now, but uh, codes or codex, I guess is the term, uh, where you enter uh, certain things into the programming and it kind of opens your – maybe that's not the right term either. Uh, It it pushes into your radio what you need to use it, where you're looking to use it at. Oh, that's a talk group probably. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, by the way, the, the codex, um, you know, in order of age, we should probably mention that. The P25 is the oldest. Mm-hmm. Sounds a little wimpy, but it works. Uh, and that's no fault. That's just what they had back then. It was amazing that it worked. DMR or uh, D-Star is a little newer. Uh, Fusion's a little newer. And I think Fusion and DMR might use the same AMBE2 plus codec. I've, I'm not sure about Fusion. I have to verify that. Okay. But, but let it be known that the DMR is the latest, greatest of codecs, not because the engineers were any smarter. It's just that's what was out when they designed the system. It's just what's new. Yep. We're going to keep talking about uh, DMR in the amateur radio community with Kilo One Romeo Juliet Zed. His name is Rick Zach. We'll be back with him in just a second here on Ham Radio 360. One thing I noticed while walking around when I had the chance outside of the booth at Hamvention was how many people were buying the IC7300 from ICOM. Man, I'm telling you what, this radio is full-featured. We've talked about it uh, on the past episodes. We've we've had ICOM on the show from Dayton. I know Richard sold nearly 40 units himself while there at the mtcradio.com trailer. It's crazy. It's a phenomenal radio. We had someone who I wish I could name them, but I won't call them out here. The gentleman told us that it was a game changer. It had no match in the amateur radio community, and this would be the standard which all following radios would be built upon. So some really nice words for someone who probably should know what he's talking about there up at Hamvention. It's the IC7300. It's an HF rig. It's beautiful in its own sale at mtcradio.com. Call Richard. Get your best deal on the IC7300 today. We're back with Rick Zach, Kilo One Romeo Juliet Zed. We're talking about DMR and Kale's learning, and I hope you are too. Uh, Rick, you, we just last mentioned that Fusion and DMR are about the same age. Uh, about what time did they start coming into the amateur community with the DMR technology? Yeah, I did some looking into that, and uh, according to um, 
Bill Barber, NE1B, who used to work for Motorola at the time. Uh, the first network DMI repeaters were in about 2009, uh, but the Etsy standard was ratified in 2005. Okay, so it took them just a couple of years to get it out of the box. Yeah, and for hams to realize, hey, this is cool. We really can use this for ham stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, we're we're kind of slow to adapt to things. <laughs> <laughs> or lead. <laughs> yeah. You never know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, what What's the most corm- common form of DMR communications? Talking around to your buddies locally or doing the Saturday morning worldwide net? Or, or is it a, a mix of both? Well, the answer is it depends uh, okay. what, the, what the user wants to do, like anything else in ham radio. Uh, in the case of my state, which is New Hampshire, it's mostly a rural state with a lot of mountains. So I think I may have yet to use my first local non-linked repeater, QSO, because everybody's so spread out and shaded. Mm. So the default where I am is to use the New Hampshire statewide talk group. Okay. Um, if you're in, I'm, I'm just guessing, Denver, um, don't know this for a fact, but I'm, it sounds logical. There's probably some big repeaters on big mountaintops. So one repeater can certainly co- cover Denver and then some. So I would guess in that area they would use local a lot more. Um, so the New Hampshire statewide talk group uh, and, the, and, the, and we have regional talk groups. And when you fire up on regional, that's not push to talk. That's on all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that links New Hampshire, Maine, um, Rhode Island, and Vermont. Um, but most of, most of those states would fit inside, you know, the, the small end of Texas really easily. You got it. <laughs> You're right. It's a small geographic area. Massachusetts has a very dense population, but, mm-hmm. you know, you go to Maine, Vermont, and, right. you know, you can be in the boonies. So um, so what, you, what I do is I listen on um, the regional, mm-hmm. and then I QSY to whatever state the guy happens to be in, so I'm just using less resources. Okay. Okay. And, and that makes sense to me. When I the the little bit of time I had with my radio, um, and I've got to get it back from Justin K I four WFJ. He's probably listening, saying I've already given it to you by now. Um, I kept hearing people call out, and they would call out uh, their call in Charlotte PRN, which is from the Charlotte, North Carolina area. Uh, what's a PRN? Uh, that's a, just one of the many many regional groups. Okay. Uh, I think PRN stands for Private Radio Network. And it's mainly a bunch of people that, that want to communicate locally within their own area, a larger region, but in their own area, which is probably what most people want to do anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they can choose to or not to join parts of the DMR Mark Worldwide Network, uh, which is part of the beauty of DMR. You, you really do maintain local control of your local repeater. Now, that control is really established one layer up at the uh, Seabridge, mm-hmm. and the people who run the Seabridge are usually very accommodating to do whatever they want to do to make the local repeater owner run it you know, his way. I got you. I got you. So, so my thing is here, talking about these private networks and other, other modes of operating, um, we talked for just a sec about how this is a good answer too, as long as the internet is working to MCOM during, you know, crisis and or times of duress or whatnot, uh, even, even doing a bike race or a marathon, I would imagine something like the Boston marathon, this would be ideal for that. Uh, uh, the Boston marathon did use DMR for some of its communications as a matter of fact. Really? Yep. Uh, that was a good little, I didn't even know that. That, that was interesting. <laughs> You're a smart guy. Yeah, there you go. It's, uh, <laughs> it, it, it lays out there in front of you sometimes. Um, so so here's the thing. Um, when you buy a DMR radio, like Jeremy bought a DMR radio at Hamvention, and he's over there plugging away, and, and I'm, <laughs> I don't know what he's doing because I'm doing post-production on a, a very late-night show that we've released, day number two. Um, 
I have no idea what he was entering into his programming. I've never looked at the programming inside my CSI radio because I haven't had it long enough. Uh, these things, you know, like you buy a Balfang, you want to put in your uh, your repeaters, your offset, and your tones. Is there more to that? And, and you don't have to get radio specific here, just kind of looking at a very broad range. I guess what I'm saying is I realized real quick this wasn't necessarily a turnkey operation to be active on DMR. Did I just miss something, or is it kind of a little more involved? No, you're being a normal human being, as a matter of fact. Okay. Uh, there's it, it can be a little intimidating at first. Mm-hmm. It can be very intimidating at first. It was for me, and I've worked in the two-way radio business. So to get over that hump, most of the radio clubs, most of the networks will actually publish the code plug. That's that's the, the term I was looking for a while ago. Sorry. I didn't yeah, jump on you plug. there. Code plug is what I was hunting for. Thank you for correcting me on that. Yep. And that was a Motorola term from their Centaur series of radios in the 80s, but you know we kept it on, I guess. Mm-hmm. So if you go to various websites, if you go to nedecn.org, that's the one for New England, mm-hmm. one, of the, one, one of the biggest one for New England, uh, you look for code plugs, then you click on Motorola or CSI or Titera or whatever on the web link, and it'll give you a listing of the most recent code plugs for that make and model radio, whether it's VHF or UHF, um, et cetera. So that's your template to get going. And in most cases, you can just load that code plug in and you're done. Uh, In my case, uh, I live in central New Hampshire in a town called Guilford on the shores of Lake Winnipesaukee, and we're shattered by hills, as much of the state is. Mm So I'll take one of the uh, one of the groups of channels called zones, and I'll make a whole zone of just the local Guilford repeater with worldwide northeast, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and and so you can modify it to your custom needs. So quite often groups say zero one to zero twenty or whatever zones you have are boilerplate. I take zone zero zero. And I customize that. So if I totally screw up that zone, I, I can still go to zone one, which somebody else didn't theoretically works. Right. So and, and that's that's like the uh, the silver bullet to the programming of the radio. Don't pull your hair out. Don't freak. Just find your code plug, insert it, and it should be at least to the point where you can get on the air and make contacts. Oh yeah, yeah, and and go to your local group. Don't if you live in South Carolina, it's probably best not to go to Georgia. I don't know. Yeah. Certainly, don't don't go to Vermont and get their code plugs. It'll be a waste <laughs> of time. But you get the idea. Be doing some serious DX on DMR with that one for sure. Uh, if you can find the repeater, exactly. Yep. <laughs> so I remember, and I'm I'm going to go back here a couple of years. I think it, this July will probably be about four years ago. I was in Silva, North Carolina. Now, that's a very small town. Um, I think it was Silva, but it was, no, it was Clyde, North Carolina. I'm sorry, Clyde, North Carolina. And I was visiting with a friend of mine. His name is Tim, and Tim's an amateur operator. He's been he's been a ham for quite some time. And he said, have you got on turbo yet? And I was like, what are you talking about turbo? <laughs> you know? And he said, oh, we just put this new repeater up, and there's like three of us in town, and we're loving it. And I had no – I was a brand-new ham. I've been licensed maybe a year or two at the most. And I said, I don't even know what you're talking about. And he was describing then what we now – he was calling it Moto Turbo because that was the trade name. It's what we now know as DMR. Correct. Um, and I was, he was trying to explain, I understand, I worked in the cellular industry for a while, so I understand CDMA and TDMA, so I get that. But I couldn't figure out how we were using it in the amateur community, and he, he did his best, and I got an idea. But um, So that's four years ago, and it was just, just then beginning to be 
found around this area. That's about an hour and a half away uh, yep. in, in the mountains, and it works great up there for those guys. So my question is, is this just another passing fad, or is this thing here to stay? Um, it's not a fad. Uh, whether or not, you could say every ham in the world will get disgusted with DMR next Monday, and they go <laughs> off the air. It's not going to make a bit of difference, because it's a commercial format with tens of thousands of radios being sold on a regular basis. Right. We're really just hit, hitchhiking on what the commercial guys figured out and modified it. Uh, and by the way, you mentioned Moto Turbo. I completely agree. Motorola takes a common generic name and they his, have historically given it some slick marketing name to kind of break it away from the pack. Right. You know, if you remember, uh, you know, Tone Squelch is the generic name, but they called it Private Line or PL. Yep. What's even more ironic, if you put a whole bunch of people on a community repeater in the commercial world and it's a party line, what does Motorola call it? Private line. <laughs> it's not a private line. It's a party line with a filter on it. So you've got to really look into some of these names to figure out what they are. And in certain cases, it's the exact opposite of what the Motorola trade name is. But, you know, it's but worthy it of a chuckle. It works. It works. Yeah. And, and, there, and due to the Etsy standard, you can have a Motorola radio... In fact, this is important. You can have a Motorola radio and have it talk to a Titera, a Hytera, a Tate, a CSI, whatever, and they must communicate 100%. Now, what's different is the Motorola's have a texting capability, and that texting capability is not universal among all the brands. Mm. I think they're working more towards a universal standard, but that was a, it wasn't tightly identified in Etsy. Uh, another thing that Etsy did not standardize was how the repeaters are linked over IP or whatever. Right. So you, you really have the D, DMR Mark network, which, and it uses the C bridges by Rayfield Communications. Those must be Motorola repeaters. It makes no difference what the end user has, but in order to link them over IP, they must be Motorola's. The other world is called DMR Plus, which is Hytera's brand of repeaters, and it's good equipment. Mm -hmm. uh, DMR Plus is more popular as an internet, internetworking backbone in Europe uh, and you can, again, only talk to – the repeaters can only link among other DMR Plus repeaters. Now, to get really confusing, there's a, a service or a product out now called Bandmeister, and I probably should mention this. Uh, Bandmeister is different from the Seabridges in that a, a – uh, Bandmeister interconnected repeater network can, in fact, talk to D-Star, will eventually be able to talk to Fusion if it doesn't already, P25. Uh, but there are some significant things that people are looking into. Uh, one of them is, is do you really want to have that much of a hybrid network? Because uh, you, you might lose some of your capabilities. You might have 900 talk groups, but I don't think I want to talk to Bulgaria all that much. Yeah. Um, and no offense to our Bulgarian listeners. It's just correct. You, you can't. Uh, you don't know what's happening down there. Your family's uh, not there. Yeah, I don't hang there. So, and and the other issue is that the where the uh, DMR mark repeaters are scattered, mainly in the U.S., but of course they have them in Europe. The Bandmeister uh, central server is in uh, Russia. So the and I'm not saying this is the case or not, but some people are questioning whether geez, is that a security risk if they can tunnel into our systems. Mm -hmm. uh, likewise with Fusion, their repeater is in Japan, which is certainly more politically stable and friendly um, to the U.S. But nevertheless, if you're talking through Fusion repeaters, your communications is really going to Japan and then coming back to the U.S. So. Uh, 
whether that's good or bad, I'll leave it up to you, but those are some of the issues that people are discussing. Cool. Well, I appreciate you tossing that in because I was curious about that as well. Uh, we're going to come back in just a sec with uh, Rick Zach. His call is Kilo One Romeo Juliet Z, and we're going to talk about gear because everybody loves gear. Back in a sec here on Ham Radio 360. The Bridgecom System BCM220 still excites me. It is a full-blown commercial rig built for the amateur radio operator. What does that mean? It means that it's tough. It means that it's got a tremendous heat sink. It means that it's got a Mitsubishi power amplifier in it, four different power settings, a gorgeous display, and it's very super easy to program. This programming was written by Ron, and Ron understands the English language. He programmed it for you and I to be able to sit down and do it easily and to me, that is a bonus. If you're needing a 220 megahertz base or slash mobile rig, make sure you check out bridgecomsystems.com and search for the BCM220 Mary. Yeah, we're back with Rick Zach, Kilo One, Romeo, Juliet, Zed, and Rick has been educating us on all things DMR and digital mobile radio. Actually, they're the same thing. We just call them two different terms. Um, everybody wants to know what to buy. I bought the CSI radio because there was a guy here in South Carolina that just wanted to dump it, so I picked it up pre-programmed and I'm, I'm hoping that the program is correct i'm just using it wrong uh, i saw a lot of titara radios sold and uh enjoyed at hamvention tell me a little about a little bit about what i'm going to need rick because i know i'm going to have to have a radio for this if i don't have a dmr rig yes um there's you know there's so many manufacturers now whether or not they focus on the ham market is another issue but uh that's a horse race so uh, talking about what's available, you certainly have, you know, Motorola. You can't not talk about them. Um, you know, very high quality stuff. Uh, they come out with firmware updates on a fairly regular basis. The software is there's a definite learning curve to the to the software. There's a learning curve to all of them if you're going to make your own code plug from scratch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, it's high intermod specs. I had Motorola's, and by the way, the reason I had Motorola's. Uh, wasn't due to a love affair. It was simply that's what I had back then. And if I'm going to buy, if I have a VHF portable, I'm going to take a UHF portable to Dayton. Well, geez, I got the, you know, the carrying cases, the spare batteries, the chargers, the lapel mics. It's kind of crazy to get something else, right? Because I have all the accessories. So that's the reason I stayed with the Motorola portables. Um, CSI is another really good brand, and you know I've got to. I got to give credit where credit is due. Uh, from everyone I've talked to, the tech support out of CSI has been nothing less than outstanding. Uh, Jerry, the guy who owns the company, actually writes some of the firmware. He's on regular contact with the people in China, and um, you know that's a very, very low risk purchase because mm-hmm. you're, you're guaranteed good service. Um, Hytera is sort of the the top tier of the offshore stuff. Uh, Harris is actually private labeling the. High terror stuff, high terror repeaters. That's interesting. Uh, yep, yeah, you know it's 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 the it's the the top of the line as well as the Motorola, mm-hmm. um, and they make that format called DMR plus, so the high high terror and other repeaters can uh, can interlink. Um, uh, Tie terror, which sounds very similar, is that's the one that had the uh, 
$109 radio at Dayton, and I think the non-Dayton price is 110 so <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Get yours uh, now, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> right. Uh, but that does include the software, and it does, I think it includes a programming cable. I'm not sure, so I'm going to verify that, but it definitely includes the software. Okay. Color display, great sounding audio. Uh, I didn't hear of anybody having intermod problems, uh, unlike some of the you know consumer Chinese ham stuff mm-hmm. that, that starts with B, but I won't say the name. But um, you know, it's you kind of get what you pay for. But uh, and even at 110, 109 bucks, that's really cheap. The audio quality is really good. Um, so that's uh, Titera. Now, what you won't get with uh, some of the current models of the Chinese software with the Motorola, you can have say you have a, a bunch of repeaters that you like from another radio, but you want to configure it differently. You can simply do a, a, a copy and paste, copy the frequencies and talk groups from one radio and paste it into another piece of software or another you know setup for another radio. Right. Save yourself a ton of work. Uh, in the latest iterations of most of the Chinese stuff, copy and paste doesn't work. You have to manually enter it, and that's a pain. Yeah. Uh, but if you take somebody else's code plug, they've done the work for you, so it kind of becomes moot. So the code plug isn't necessarily considered copy-paste, but it really kind of is. It can be. Okay. Well, you can simply, so you can simply take it. Yeah. And you know, put it in your put radio. In. Now, now the only gotcha is that if your buddy's code plug is three one three two two zero four, and you copy it and don't change it to your DMR ID, you're going to show up as your buddy again every time. Yeah, and the DMR system doesn't allow theoretically doesn't allow one radio with one ID to talk to another radio with the same ID, so you're going to be blind to each other. Okay. Now, sometimes it does work, but still, it's a no-no. Uh, be sure to put your own uh, ID uh, into the radio you clone. Now you were you were there at Hamvention representing DMR Mark as a volunteer, correct? And uh, is that something that they 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 have their own evangelist out there? And I hate that word because I've been called a ham radio evangelist, but aren't all amateur radio for the most part operators? evangelist for the hobby uh oh was, yeah was it just something that you uh you had the opportunity to do and you didn't want to miss the opportunity exactly okay um yeah it could have been you know dmr mark or it could have been NEDECN, which is our local organization or you know i said hey dmr and, and a buddy of mine is is uh does a lot of work for dmr mark and i had the shirt so i just figured well what the heck i'll go there yeah i got you and uh, and the other advantage to be quite honest <laughs> If you uh, if you're a volunteer, and I was a legitimate volunteer, you get preferred parking, and you get in before anybody else does to help set up your booth. Which is how you so, and I got to meet that morning. I think it was. We were both so, there early. Yep. Uh, so you know, there's there's some non altruistic advantages, but I just wanted to go there and meet people, and you know, people were there from every part of the country, you know, their own regional networks, and you finally get to meet each other. We went to a barbecue. Uh, Thursday night, I think. Yeah, it was Thursday night. Uh, met people from all over the country and Canada. Had a great time. And you finally get to, you know, put <clears throat> faces with some of the uh, people. Like, one thing you should look for, a good website from Canada, is, uh, I think it's va3xpr.com. It's either VE3, I'm pretty sure it's va3xpr. Uh, Don Trainer, Tainer uh, runs it, and it's sort of a consumer reports of uh, DMR ham equipment, and he does reviews. There's a new radio out called the I think it's called the DV4 Mobile, yeah. which does all the modes. You know, two meters, two twenty, four forty. It does Fusion P25, 
DMR, D-Star, it's kind of the, the ultimate radio. But, you know, it might come in for a grand, so it's not cheap. Mm-hmm. But it's probably cheaper than buying a, a whole boatload of radios, right. too. Yeah, and that, that's another thing I want to ask you real quick. Um, the, with, the, with the advent of that radio, and I know that CSI has been working towards one as well, uh, how do you think, just this is your personal opinion, how do you think that will affect the big three manufacturers? Because we just saw, before you answer, we just saw at Hamvention, Kenwood came out and said, we're going to do an, an HT dual band APRS with D-Star. Uh, but if you've got this, this DV4 rig that's going to do four plus different digital modes, how is that going to affect the market? Good question. Um, I think that the major, you know, big four manufacturers have been avoiding D-Star, or sorry, been avoiding DMR because they see the commoditization phase racing in. If you look at the technology adoption curve, whether it's for, you know, smartphones, iPads, uh, the internet, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, you got the, it's a big bell curve. In the beginning, you have the pioneers, and the pioneers get the arrow shot in their fanny, but they, they have a lot of fun. <laughs> Then you get the early adopters, which is probably me. Uh, you know, once you figure out at least who the who the horses are on the race, you can saddle up a couple of horses and ride them. Like I've I've tried everyone. Right. Um, and then there's something called the chasm, and the that technology has to jump the chasm before it hits the commoditization phase and the consumer phase. And DMR has clearly done that, and the prices have gone. Way down. The DMR prices for radios are one third to one half of what they are for the even the low cost um, D Star that ICOM has out now. Yeah, it, you know half the price. So and, and now you're getting the mass adoption of consumerism. You know, very low prices. And I, I kind of question whether the the big four ham only manufacturers can survive in that. Now I know that you know. Kenwood's finally come out with their DMR commercial radio and blah, blah, blah. But do they want to erode their prices to, to you know, on the race down in price? I don't know. That's a marketing question, not a technology question. Yeah. It will be interesting to see how it plays out nonetheless. Because just like four years ago, I had no idea when Tim said, hey, man, this is turbo. I'm like, I was thinking about the snail movie, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's a really watch. cool name. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's know. a great name. And, yep. and it's, it's, it sounds a lot cooler than DMR, in my opinion. But that's just my opinion. I'll take yep. DMR. Yeah, um, I'll take MyCore, my Motrack, Motran, you know, all these <laughs> super cool Astro Saber. You know, wow, that sounds cool. Well, it's the same stuff, really. Yeah, but yeah. Anyway. Uh, well, I'm looking at an old Radius 300M, so we'll, we'll leave that one there um okay i've got but but i tell you i've got to say a big thanks to you from on behalf of the listener because this is something we've wanted to talk about for a while uh we we felt like we got a good introduction to d star a good understanding i believe this is this will be in the same vein as that uh understanding the technology uh for me personally the the price point is exactly where a lot of new hams want things to fall in right now. Um, and I hear, I hear the guys on the forum say, if you're on a Titera, you sound different than you do on a Motorola. I'm not going to get into that argument. Um, buy what you can afford and enjoy the hobby. So that's right. If yep. you're, and, if, and, go ahead. And by the way, with, with the Titera, they did have a, an issue where if you use the external microphone, the audio might be a little low. I think a new version of software that's going to be corrected. So again, okay. it's a it's a maturing product. Yeah, yeah. And and the thing is, is to get it and try it. Yep. And if you yep. can't figure it out, uh, someone so maybe one of the volunteers, like at DMR Mark, can help you get started. Or one of your local Elmers, or uh, here in the state, we have the statewide network. So that's where I'm going. 
to that's get, the best to place get, to go. Yeah, to yep. get my things figured out. And don't forget, you're going to need a number. So if you're going to order, uh, you're going to go to maintradingcompany.com, mtcradio.com, our show sponsor, and order you a Titera UHF or VHF rig, whichever one works in your area. When you order that, go ahead and go to the DMR Mark site and apply for your number so that when they do their super rapid, fast shipping and you get the rig in your hand, you've got the number to plug in there as well and you're ready to go. That's right. And by the way, when you go to the DMR Mark site, I hope they change it, but where you register, there's a tab on top, and, you, and you're looking all over, and it says, where the heck do I register? Click on Contacts. Okay. And under, or Contact Us, I think it is. And then the drop-down will tell you, oh, this is how you get your number. So that might be changing, but right now, uh, look for Contact Us, and that's where you register. And uh, DMR Mark uh, is the, DMR hyphen Mark is the URL. All right. DMR hyphen Mark. We'll have this and a lot of other show notes in the uh, the in our other notes in our show notes page, along with this episode. Uh, Rick, we really appreciate you coming on, man. I really enjoyed getting to chat with you for that few minutes. And, and let me tell you, that was a very early morning for me. I usually have a lot more energy than that, but I'd gotten one hour and five minutes of sleep that night. So. I heard. <laughs> I, I slept like a baby. <laughs> oh well, I did when I got home. I didn't even get to sleep on the plane, but uh, enjoyed getting the opportunity to chat with you there in Dayton, and and hope to see you there. Again again next year thank you for coming on the show and as the technology progresses and questions come in we may ask you to come back and help us to address the continuing uh, efforts of dmr well thank you Kim. that's going to wrap up number 53 thank you so much rick i i feel like i now understand dmr radio and i did not guys it's just me that's fine okay i didn't get it i get it now his call is kilo one romeo juliet zed Thanks again, Rick. We appreciate you dropping in. Jeremy, thanks for coming in at the beginning. Guys, don't forget the coupon code, HR360 at mtcradio.com to save $10 on the already discounted price of the MD380 by TYT. That's the one that Jeremy spoke of. We talked a lot about it with Rick. It's a really good entry-level radio to, to introduce yourself into DMR. So, don't forget, 10 bucks off HR360, and I'll have that in the show notes at HR. <laughs> it's not that site. It's hamradio360.com. That's where you'll find our show notes. That's where you'll also find the tab to leave me a message and tell me what you're excited about regarding field day coming up. I mean, it'll be here before we know it. Let's go ahead and get excited about it. Click on the link on the right side of the screen. Tell us what you're excited about regarding field day, and maybe we'll get it aired on the upcoming shows, okay? Appreciate you tuning in. Again, if this is your first time, we do it every other week. We've been here for two years having a lot of fun, and just really appreciate you giving us a chance to help entertain and educate you regarding amateur radio. I'll be back, but until next time, 73, y'all, God bless. Thank you for listening to Ham Radio 360, brought to you by mtcradio.com. For more information about the program, visit hamradio360.com. Till next time, 73s, y'all.